hard to buy, to find, to purchase the the, the iPad, like the, just the plain iPad. I think it's eighth generation, the, but I'm talking about the one that costs three hundred twenty nine dollars. You know, compared to um, anything above four hundred or, or up. Yeah, like harder than even the current baseline of availability of general stuff. <laughs> yeah, like harder than a PlayStation Five level, which is crazy. Um, but it's you know obviously comply, uh, supply constraint and you know prioritizing iPhone iPhone production over anything else. But uh, but it, it's it's just it it, um, it became necessary this week for me to find one. And um, at first, I was like, well, three twenty nine is the base the base level I'm going to spend on on this iPad um, that I'm that I'm buying. And um, so let me look on like Facebook Marketplace first. And there was nothing that was mo- like even close to modern that was below you know much more than three twenty nine. So that that didn't work out. Um, the I, I, like people were selling like iPad twos and stuff. So it's like no, um, the Apple well, like store, the actual iPad two, so like yeah. the actual iPad two, oh not even God. not even Air two two. <laughs> like, the actual two that that is a yeah that is a dead man walking product right there. Like, and it was almost the twenty nine. So yeah, <laughs> that, that was that was released in what twenty eleven. Yeah, yeah, it's, that's literally ten years old. And yeah, <laughs> I think it, I think it stopped getting software updates at five point one or something. So I. <laughs> Or maybe it got iOS seven. It might have got iOS seven. I think it went flat, yeah, and that was yeah. Because I think I think five point one was the last thing that the original iPad got. Yeah, because I have an original iPad, and it, and it's it's the the, the it's skewer, yeah. It's the yeah, so I, that's skewer. what I'm mixing up. The original iPad went to like five point one, and then the iPad two definitely went to iOS seven, and it might have gone to iOS eight. Like it was yeah. somewhere in that in that yeah. boundary. Not like much change since them anyway, though. But but yeah, that, that's the Noco. Um, buying from uh, an Apple retail store, I would I would look like you know all around, and they would have models with cellular, so it's no longer three twenty nine, or models with more than the the base sixty four gigabyte storage. So again, you know, add a hundred bucks. Um, so it's no, it's no longer a three twenty nine iPad. You know, it's four twenty nine or up. And um, shopping from the Apple website, you you would get quoted um like you could you could buy today like like for example february the first i think um you would get it like march the 11th <laughs> it's like huh not, you know for for me it's hard to it's hard for me to buy something that far out that's like you know not like a pre-order or something just i, I guess i'm not that patient but anyway um so that was a no-go for me as well uh like like, like i just feel like within the six weeks i'd be fine one sooner so. uh, <laughs> even if it's not true or you just um, buy a different model <laughs> yeah yeah and uh and then i went to ebay after that because i was like well surely someone's out you know because it's been a thing like with, with uh you know supply constraint you can you can find things that people are selling like like i bought i bought a, a set of bunk beds that was assembled mostly and cheaper than like buying brand new and, and much faster so i thought that so i looked at ebay um you could find the three hundred twenty nine dollar iPad, the iPad eighth generation. It, it's still in the box, but it was marked up to like three eighty. Yeah, <laughs> because they're hard to find. Like people are, you know, it's like, well, it's not quite the full price of of the next one, but we have it. You know, so we're going to take advantage of that. Like it is wacky how much stuff is just like scalping opportunities these days. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, PCs and computers are still like crazy hot property. They went from being the old boring. You know, everyone doesn't care. And then the pandemic came around, and work from home became so prevalent that yeah. now it's like people are buying up every laptop they can buy. Apple's setting records with you know hardware sales and device sales. We mentioned Apple's earnings, you know, very briefly last week, but like a definite contribution to that is the you know upswing in Mac and iPad sales. Like, and they're just so hard to find. So anyone that does have them can reset can flip them it's like just imagine telling someone five years ago that yeah you, there's actually a reset market for the base model ipad like right it just doesn't it doesn't happen like very little stuff on that you resell has super good like you know above market price value on terms of apple stuff apart from iphones normally because the mm-hmm. iphones are the most prized items that sell in the millions and millions and they generally have supply constraints the rest of apple's product line is you know touch wood after the initial like launch period freely available but we just live in very strange times. Yeah, we're in February, and when did the three twenty nine like the September? Late, September, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so wow, oh man. And um, so so I, I took to Twitter, you know, and and it helps to have um, not quite a mayo sized following on Twitter, 
but you know a, a reasonable you know double digit size double digit k thousand uh four five four or five i don't know how many followers that just say how many you've got i don't yeah. know i don't know oh yeah you, you don't check it yeah you know the right amount is 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 enough that's all you need is enough so, <laughs> you know mm. Uh, but, but it, it, you know, I went to Twitter and people were sort of helping me out there and that was nice. And, and it really was like PS5 a little hard where you're, you're all of a sudden you're considering like, you know, setting up a, a bot to like find an inventory, you know, and everything. Um, but, but just having a few people help me out and looking around, um, helped because stock does fluctuate on like the, the retailers that are not Apple. So, um, the first thing that someone sent me was, uh, a, a, the 329 iPad, from target.com with one week shipping. Like, it's just like, okay, it's not so bad. You know, it's five weeks into than Apple. Um, and I went to go to order, added it to my cart, was filling out the payment information, the shipping information. And before I could hit like submit, I had a message in the app that was, or the website that was like, this item is no longer available. <laughs> so, so it sold while it was in my cart. So that was too bad. And um, the next, the next day, which is really helpful um uh jared depayne i hope i'm pronouncing his last name right but he 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 works over at cnet and he saw that target had restocked that that 329 ipad um and it had two days shipping this time so i I put in the order on on wednesday it comes on friday i hope um but that's (laughs) that's my story on how hard it is to get the base model ipad right now (laughs) and who's it for it's it's from it's for my kid rory he he had an ipad mini that he inherited and he had a case for it. And then I don't know, I think I took it out of the case and never put it back in or something or, or, or he learned how to take it out and, and, you know, not, not put it back on. So that was just, you know, ability, I guess. And then yeah. um, it was, it got pretty banged up, you know, not like just breaking on a purpose, but just, you know, it, it fell a few times. And it started to where the screen would like do things on its own because it it it, it took like the the unevenness is like touching. So, um, so so I had um, I was using a 2018 iPad Pro because I had like traded my my uh, big big iPad Pro to a colleague Michael Podick, um and exchanged some money, and uh, he sent me his 2018 iPad Pro, the small one. Um, and so I was using that, but I really wasn't using it. So whenever his Rory's iPad was all cracked up, I was like, here's this thing. And, um, so I told his mom, Hey, I, I gave Rory my iPad. Um, so can, can you buy the case for it? This is the one that will really protect it. And she was like, yeah, sure. And then it never happened. And so, um, through, you know, a series of accidents, it got really banged up. Both of them still work, but you can like see the guts inside. So it's not, not good to use. Um, and, and so this time I, I told his mom, I was like, Hey, you know, I, I ordered this iPad and, um, I, I can get the case or you can get the case. Just let me know. And then she actually ordered it. So, cause we're not going to repeat this process over and over. <laughs> <laughs> I hope. I mean, the 329 iPad is kind of the unsung hero of the Apple product range. Like obviously the top end new stuff is cool, right? But yeah. if you're looking at practicality to the wider market, the 329 iPad is really hard to beat. <laughs> you you look at the low end of the other Apple product, you know, categories. The watch is obviously in a terrible state. The Apple TV, the HD model still sold for a ridiculously high price. The iPhone SE, who wants that really? Sorry, iPhone SE fans, but nobody wants. Like if you if Apple sold an actually modern small phone in that price point, that would be cool, but they don't. They just show they just sell an old design one and most people want big screens anyway. So most people have to just overlook the SE. Yeah, and so I'm sorry. I, get you. Many. I, I think more people who are, you know, budget constrained are looking at and way more sensibly buying older iPhones rather than like the iPhone SE. They get like a two year old iPhone 11 rather than getting a brand new iPhone SE because the, the, the product trade offs are just so much better. Even when the iPhone SE 3 comes out in the spring, I'd still say that's true. Like people like people benefit from the bigger screen and stuff way more than the, you know, minor processor bump and stuff. So the iPhone SE is fine to exist in the product line, but I would never recommend it to anybody. Same with the Apple Watch Series 3. Obviously, that's terrible. Apple TV HD, that can go in the bin. iPod Touch is the other cheap Apple product. That's terrible. Like, then you have the iPad 329. And does it have the latest and greatest features? Does it have the latest and greatest design? No, it doesn't. But it is incredibly capable, incredibly modern. It is relatively um, durable. So you can give it to kids, especially if you get 
you know, those cases for them with the plastic surround. Mm-hmm. And it's only $329. And if, if you weren't in pandemic, COVID-stricken, no one can buy anything times, you'd even get it for cheaper than that, right? Like, <laughs> Right, yeah, you cannot discount it right now. <laughs> yeah, like now, like this is unusual. Like, it is only 329 if you're lucky or you even pay more in, in cases like you just said. But in a general time frame, you'd be getting this model iPad for like 270 on, you know, at a retailer or something. Or maybe you even get like the 7th gen model, not the 8th gen model because, you know, the 8th gen is slightly better, but it's not a crazy difference. And that iPad is so good. I would... You know, if you don't have a lot of money or you don't care, like you can buy that and be perfectly happy. Like I would yeah. buy it, right? I, I, I've considered buying it before. I currently use no iPads at all, and I don't want to buy an iPad Pro because they're so expensive for something that I know that I'm not going to use enough to actually justify the price point. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of nice to have a little iPad floating around, right? So I've seriously considered getting a base model iPad because they're really cheap. You know, you don't have to worry about it too much. You can give it to somebody. You can leave it around the house. Like, I think it's a great iPad for just, like, putting on a table in a house or, you know, or an apartment or whatever. So anybody that comes around, they can just use that one as, like, the guest model, control the speakers, browse the web, do where they want on it. Because it's so cheap. You know, it's not a throwaway product. Of course, you don't want to break it and it'd be annoying. You can put a case on it. But it's not, you're not, you don't have that price worry where if you give someone, like, an iPad Pro that's, like, $1,000 and up, then you're like, you know, I don't really want to give you this thing. This The iPad base model iPad is so good at actually doing iPad things that most people want to do, right? Even if you're doing productivity use cases, basic productivity, email, web browser, or, you know, word processing, like school, student stuff. It's, I would choose that over in so many cases. If you have extra money, yes, the iPad Air and the iPad Pros are nicer, but the value for money definitely the value for money curve tails off for sure. Like the best value for money on that product range is the base model iPad. And you can't say that about like the iPhone or the Apple Watch and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I want to emphasize my, my four-year-old has no money at all. So <laughs> it's really helpful to have this be an option. Yeah, we have, we don't have any of the eighth gen uh, models, but we have like, I think three total 329 iPads of various uh, ages in the mm-hmm. in the house because they've given to various kids and my mum uses one and stuff because that's all they and they have a new you know they might have a new phone but they just have the base model ipad from a couple years ago because it just works out that way it's not it's a good great product fantastic what's what was the first one to go 10.2 inches instead of 9.7 i think that was the sixth it was either sixth gen or the seventh gen it's probably the sixth gen i think okay because that's what his sister has and and so he'll have the version with uh center stage <laughs> mm-hmm yeah, Senate, I mean, Senate Senate is cool. Like, even even the current iPad Air that you can buy doesn't have that. Like, yeah, that's right. If you're buying an iPad right now, that's September that that September um, provident, providence of the iPad three twenty nine is more modern than the iPad Air in many regards. Like, obviously, yeah. they're gonna spec up the iPad Air soon, we think. But in the here and now, if you need an iPad, that's what I'd be leaning towards. With very little asterisk attached. Happy hour this week is sponsored by Kanji. Kanji offers next-generation Apple device management for your business, spanning Mac, iPad, iPhone, and even the Apple TV. Kanji offers a full suite of tools to automate device setup and ongoing management of all your Apple devices in your business. Kanji makes it so easy to transform any new Mac into a computer that is ready for the workplace with all the right apps and settings installed. And devices managed with Kanji keep themselves secure automatically Apps are patched, macOS is updated, and security controls are enforced without manual management from administration. And with automatic remediations, Kanji can detect if an important app has been uninstalled or if a setting has been changed incorrectly. And it not only alerts you to that, but it can even automatically and autonomously fix it, saving you time. Most MDM solutions give you the tools to help you manage to manually achieve general security compliance. But Kanji goes one step further. Everything you need has already been built, like scripts and settings profiles, and it's all ready to use, neatly organized into templates. And with the automatic self-service app, users can easily see a list of curated apps that they can install on their own. And the self-service app can be white-labeled with your own branding, help text and categories so it fits right in with your business needs. Once an app is installed, it's kept up to date automatically through Kanji. So go to kanji.io slash happy hour for a free demo or trial. That's spelled K-A-N-D-G-I dot I-O slash happy hour. K-A-N-D-J-I dot I-O slash happy hour. Thanks to Kanji for sponsoring the show. 
Yep. And I mentioned last week, you know, the first time they sponsored was last week, that if you are a sysadmin and you want to support the podcast, then the best thing you can do is go to their website and check it out. That's all they want you to do. So um, please do that. Next up is a story about Wordle, which has no direct Apple connection, but here we are. (laughs) (laughs) It has a Uh, little bit, a vague vague connection. Yeah, It's just a cool thing. I play it on my iPhone and my Mac, so yeah. I was How much have you played it? Have you because we haven't spoken about this offline. And yeah. I get the you always complain you always like quipping that it's just like a stupid JavaScript page. like that was your tweet the other day. I was like, it's a single page JavaScript. I'm like, how stupid is this? Like do you like it? I couldn't get I couldn't like measure your temperament on it. I play it when I play it every day. I okay, you late. do play it every day. Yeah, I was late to it, but not like super late. Um but at least for the last couple of weeks I've, you know, made it made a habit of you know if i have like a moment of boredom or i don't know what to do then i load up the page and try to figure out the word and and uh, i've never failed um oftentimes it's like second attempt or third attempt and i'm proud of that and my, my brain feels stimulated for that you know a few minutes oh now i know that i can start sending you my squares because <laughs> <laughs> i don't like tweeting it because I don't know. I, I, I've not, not, like, that's one of the coolest part about this thing is that it had this automatic virality and it wasn't like in your face, you know, affiliate or retweet or hashtag ad or share this here and you get a free prize. Like there's no benefit or upsell or microtransaction involved. It's just people tweet their emoji grid of squares and people just magically know what it means. <laughs> and in the early days, it would say like, here's these squares and here's his wordle and people wouldn't have a clue what you're on about until they Google it. And that's how the game, one of the reasons why the game suddenly became so popular. Uh, for me, just the way I use my Twitter account, I just choose not to like share that. But if I know friends that are doing it, I'm, I'm sending it to you every day now. <laughs> well, at least when I get a good one, because if you've done it, every, I started playing at the, I think the very, very end of December, right? Like literally probably like the last week of December, I think I started playing uh-huh. and I haven't got all of them. I've got most of them. But a couple have actually like stumped me out, which is really annoying. Generally, you get in, I find I get in with three or four, but then there's some. There's been some twists and annoying ones that have really stumped me. One that actually destroyed me uh, was it a week or so ago? Uh-huh. I think it was the word. This this is a spoiler if you haven't done the wordle from two but weeks you, ago. But, but you can't go back and you can't even go back at the moment, right? <laughs> yeah. Which is something I'll get to in a minute. Uh, the word was favor, spelled F A V O R. Now. Do you know you're, the problem with that you're from a my Brit. perspective? A British. That spelling of favor would never enter my headspace at all because <laughs> favor is spelled F-A-V-O-U-R. So that was one of the ones that I was so annoyed at because I got the whole... <laughs> that was one I got close enough to tweeting in frustration about, but I, yeah. I, I withheld. Yes, yes. <laughs> so what, what is the news? The, the news is that I'm going back in my friend's chat and looking at all the ones that I, that I shared so I can send them to you now. <laughs> <laughs> The ones I want to brag about. Now, the news is that um, Wordle was sold to the New York Times for over $1 million. I think the phrase that they used, that was used in this report, was that it was in the low seven-digit figures. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, not saying a million directly, but I don't think that you can say low and then seven-digit together because it's kind of high. I mean, for this at least. So, um, um, at least a million dollars. The New York Times takes ownership, takes over like maintenance and everything, and they'll eventually integrate it probably into their website, maybe into you know an iPhone app, which will be nice. Um, and, and they are good stewards of the crossword puzzle. Obviously, I mean, the New York Times crossword puzzle is like the de facto one, um, you know, on Sunday and, and throughout the week. And so, and, and they have good apps for the iPad, iPhone, and, and works on the web. Um, but that's, that's the, that's the news is that it, it was, it was sold. And, you know, this comes after there was that run of like Apple store or app store copycat versions. You know, there was that, that one fellow in particular who was really scamming people and selling his unofficial Wordle app. And yeah, then, co- copied the design, copied yeah. the actual gameplay, copied the name. Like that was obviously a scandal when it was put it in upon itself. And the guy was being indie on Twitter about it. But he did have somewhat <laughs> of a point that. You know, you the 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 name isn't trademarked, and the game isn't wasn't invented by Josh Wood, or at least like it was a, it's existed before in other forms, including you know a, a British TV show last year, and I think there was like a German TV show like twenty years ago that it wasn't called Wordle, and the format was slightly different, but the core idea of like 
you know, you have a grid and you have to guess the letters in the different places and it fills up was exactly the same. So although Josh Wardle, the actual creator of Wardle, you know, didn't actually have any like intellectual property associated with it, it was just a scummy thing to do to completely rip it off and put it on the store. Because in the early days, like Josh Wardle was coming at it from the angle, like he he did, he made it for his family, right? He didn't even mean it to become such a, a global success. Uh, and he was, and then when he was getting popular, there was a, uh, one of the things that actually spiraled it into, you know, the, the culture almost was a New York Times interview in like November where he was just talking about his experience and the game had, at that time had got like hundreds of thousands of players and now it's like two million a day or something insane. Um, and he said, oh no, you know, despite the popularity, I'm not going to put ads on it. It's just going to be free forever. You know, it's just a fun thing. And it's, and everyone kind of gelled onto that, I feel like. And it was a nice salve from, the general status quo of anything in the app store, which is just riddled with adware and rubbish. Yeah. 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 And by the way, how, how cool is it that his last name is, is Wardle uh, with an A and, you know, has to be a family name and everything. And then, and then his claim to fame and uh, wealth becomes this game he called Wardle, which is, you know, <laughs> just to play on his last name. Um, you know, you must be now proud of that last name going forward. So that's, that's kind of fun. Um, so, but mm-hmm. the the morality thing I just spoke about, yes. right, is the fact that he in November and December he was like, "Oh, it's just going to be free forever. There's no problemo. You know, it's going to keep it up there. I don't want to do anything with it." And in a way, that was annoying because I hate the website. Like, <laughs> I wish it was an actual app. <laughs> he was like, "Oh, I'm just going to leave it as a free website for everybody, and just we'll just you know let it like that run run its course." And I was like, "No, please make it an actual like phone app or you know an iPhone and Android app like." Because the game is kind of rubbish in the in the <laughs> browser. Like you have to have the stupid keyboard. You don't get the full screen. I'm sure you could do some nicer animations. And although you wouldn't want it um, burdened with, you know, leadership, leaderboards, achievements, rub- in-app purchases, all that rubbish, it would still just be nicer if the game was packaged as a native application. Because you could get things like, you know, if you wanted to, you get like a push notification when it's time to do the next word, and you could maybe see like what your how your friends are doing, like you know, more casual. Like basically, what you want is you can still keep the casual ethos of the game, but elevate it slightly so that it doesn't just feel, you know, like a a very basic grid of CSS. If you see yeah. what I mean, yeah, yeah. But he hasn't done that, and he instead sold to the New York Times, and the New York Times, right? His t- Josh Wardle's tweet, uh said he's uh, ally- he's long admired the Times' approach to the quality of their games. Uh, their values are aligned with mine, and I'm thrilled that they will be the stewards of the games going forward. And he said in his tweet that Wardle will continue to be free. Uh-huh. Always. <laughs> Always. But in the New York Times' statement, it says it will be free initially. Uh-huh. Which is... Uh, <laughs> it doesn't quite comply with you know his november december ethos of oh i'm just gonna make it free forever but now it turned down exactly like exactly i don't blame him for that part in the scheme of things like you know he did a f- cool thing that's free it's been free for months and months and months i wish he'd have made an iphone game out of it uh and i wish he'd have made an iphone app and even made it paid in some way like upgrades or just pay up front one-time purchase something like that because i you know i don't mind people making money on things that are cool right i just kind of think the the bit that kind of goes against the original like oh you know i'm just doing it for fun is that he sold it off to a big corporation and under the stewardess of the new york times is the game really going to have that same purity to it? i i am a bit fearful of that like initially i'm sure it'll be fine and it will probably will become an app right because the new york times will integrate into their into their newspaper apps just like they have the crossword app and stuff but then are they going to put it behind a paywall are they going to make it like you know you have to pay to see the upgrades because part of the the fun of it is that the core game is just so freely accessible that everybody in the world felt like they were doing the same thing at the same time. And I would have rather this continued under like an indie lead, even if Josh Wardle didn't want to carry on with it, if he'd have just sold it on to like a single person or a small group to 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 carry on with. Selling it to the behemoth of the New York Times is a bit of a sour ending. I I that's how I mean maybe they'll treat it well, but the fact that right out of the gate they had two statements with very different perspectives on how the game will be sold uh doesn't inspire confidence in in me yeah yeah well i <laughs> i, I kind of have a feeling that um 
my interest in Wordle and doing it daily will last as long as um, it stays, you know, well-maintained like it is yeah. now. And that once it reaches the level of now it's, it's more than, than just a free game, then my interest will probably be fading by then. So just realistically. Um, I mean, yeah. the, 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 like the practical situation is the fun of the game is that pretty much everybody in the world could do it for fun once a day with no barriers to entry. And as soon as it becomes like, even you have to download the New York Times app to play it and they, they remove the website version, then the appeal and the cultural interest is going to fall away. Even if it's still free, you just have to download the app. Like the amount of usage is going to tail off. Um, but it, even if that happens, it was fun for the five months that I've been playing or, you know, or however long it lasts for. Yeah. What's the value for the New York Times and, and paying $1 million for this is that, you know, if, let's say it were to stay free for a long, long time. It's that you get people to come to the New York Times website and then hopefully you see something else you like there and maybe become a subscriber or see ads, you know, on articles or. Well, I presume because there's a subscription for the crossword and stuff. Yes. Yeah. So even if they just use it as like the entry taster thing and then right next to Wordle in the app, it has the crossword, right? Like it's almost just like free advertising. You, there's. You know, this this website is getting 2 million hits a day organically. Like, yeah. that is pretty valuable. And it is kind of hilarious that the actual website is literally this single-page application. And, yeah, if you're technical, uh, all of the words, all of the game logic, it's not, like, hidden behind a server or anything. It is just a single HTML and, G- and, and JavaScript page. So you can literally download the entire game and run it locally on your phone or on your laptop for as long as the game's word list, because even the word list is just embedded in the JavaScript file. So yeah. if you want, so someone else might even do this where they just download the assets and rehost it somewhere else. And it will last for, I think, I think Wardle said that he's got a, a like a game word list, like 2000. So what's that? That's like 10 years. Five years. Yeah, exactly. You can get five years of freeness out of it just based on the freely available source code. So for the New York times, they sell, you know, a million dollars to New York Times is nothing, and a right, million dollars yeah. to Josh Wardle is a lot of money, and it would be a lot of money to us too, right? So, and if they if they wanted to have a game, they the game's cool. They acquire it, they acquire the name, which is really the value, right? Because you could recreate the game very primitively, you know, yeah. without needing the acquisition. The thing that you get is the brand value, right? And they're hoping that some percentage of players will move across and play on the New York Times, and then they will acquiesce to the other catalogue of New York Times content, whether that's the actual newspaper, whether it's just, you know, the crossword and stuff. So I think like a million dollars is like, it sounds like a lot, but in the scheme of things, New York Times has just like <laughs> coughed it up and there you go. It's fun. You know, I, I tell you what, if, if the New York Times gave me a million dollars, I would, I would consider springing for the, the 429 iPad, the, the one with higher. And, and you mentioned like someone could recreate the game and save it and, you know, repackage it. Um, did you see that Federico Vatici at Max Stories has made a shortcut that is that, is that it, it's, it's the game saved and then. Oh, I uh, hadn't seen that. That's cool, actually. Yeah, yeah. It's called, it's called Wordle Forever and it requires iOS 15.4, which is the next thing we're going to talk about because what, why is that required here? Yeah. So for, um, you know, I was complaining that, uh, the, uh, the game would be better as an app rather yeah. than a website. Well, this is a bit of a segue, but in- intelligently, well, or coincidentally, <laughs> with iOS 15.4, Apple's actually adding a few new features to make web apps better. So, <laughs> like, the, the, there's a contention between how much Apple, like, has supported web standards in terms of the actual, like, progressive web app phenomenon, i.e. how much are they allowing the Safari team to make features that can directly compete against the App Store. Because yeah. and whenever Apple becomes under the purview of the legal system, right, when they, they antitrust things are raised, they go to court, one of their go-to defenses is that the iPhone app, app Store is not a monopoly because we offer a free and open platform through Safari. And you can get anything you want through Safari, including stuff that we wouldn't allow on the App Store at all, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, there's always some big asterisks attached to those quotes because websites aren't as capable as native apps. They're not as nice to use as native apps. But since like 2013, 2014, there's been this continuing swell of this initiative that 
you know, ongoing development with JavaScript and web standards are allowing apps to become closer and closer to replicating native app experiences. And in many cases, a lot of the apps that you do use are just web apps in a wrapper anyway, right? But especially on the mobile devices, native apps still kind of win out in many ways. But over time, stuff gets adopted. Like a few years back, you couldn't even do offline storage. So like what Wordle does is it just stores into a local database it might even be an indexed ED base that was, you know, buggy a couple of weeks ago, and and, secu- and a security risk. It that just stores your current progress on the on the word of the on the the word or board because you can refresh the word or board page and it just loads back your state. Right, that all happens locally on your device, and that's only a development that's existed from about five years ago with like local storage APIs in JavaScript. Um, but every time Apple adds support for that in Safari, it kind of weakens the App Store's you know inherent monopoly. So there's always this contention about how much is Apple really going to support. And in the last couple of years, the Chromes of the world, the Firefoxes of the world, they've aggressively adopted the PWA stuff. And so, and Apple, you know, they lag behind. They do. They generally add stuff, but it takes them like more time. And they would say they're taking their time to ensure that user privacy is upheld. And that is true in many cases. Like Chrome supports like these crazy, like you wouldn't believe some of the things that like a progressive web app can do. Uh, through a Chrome browser, and this is specifically talking about like Chrome on the, the desktop or Chrome on Android, because obviously on iOS, all the browsers are just Safari under the hood, right? They're all just WebKit wrappers. Uh, so some features that Chrome, that Safari is never going to support because they do pose like user privacy concerns. But there's other stuff where it's like, have you not done this because you just haven't got around to it yet, or are you purposely not doing this for policy reasons because it means that more people have to go to the App Store? And I. I trust generally that it's mainly the former where they just have it low priority they have smaller developers they are doing because Apple's a pretty good steward of web stuff they there's just some like class of APIs that they're just dragging their feet and adopting but out of the blue and we did talk about iOS 15.4 features last week but this wasn't uh, apparent to us then in 15.4 there's even more stuff in PWA support that actually is now being activated in safari so there's experimental web xr support and xr is the combination of augmented reality and virtual reality according to the web i guess uh, so basically this means that it's, it's mixed reality mixed yeah but don't people call that mr like i don't know why it's xr but uh, hmm. it's the yeah. iphone 10r it's the iphone web 10r <laughs> no. um like basically that is for augmented reality stuff so Presumably in the future, with an Apple headset, there might be some support for web standard-based augmented reality experiences where you can like put the headset on, you can have a 3D space, you can put stuff in the world. You know how Apple talks about ARKit so much for the native apps. WebXR is a less capable but similar version of that. And up until 15.4, Apple didn't support it at all. Now they're starting to support it. And a big one, and this is the main reason I put this in the, in the show as a topic, is push notifications. So... All these other browsers have supported native push notification, web native push notifications for years. Um, on an iOS, you can't do it until at all until fifteen point four. You'd always have to have a native app. In that, the in, app that includes Safari on the Mac, right? Because you can get push alerts there, or is that yes? Safari on the Mac does yeah. support push notifications, but the Safari on Mac implementation is not standards based. So, like. The general push no- web push notification standard is adopted by Firefox, Chrome, you name it. The Safari push notification system is like an offshoot of the like iOS Apple push notification service. And so the API is different and stuff, which was like, you know, people that's easily dealt with by web developers and stuff. But it was still a bit stupid that they didn't adopt the actual like, you know, spec of the HTML standard. And then on iOS, they'd never supported that version either at all. Right. As of 15.4, if you go into the um, like experimental options, one of the experimental options now is native push notification support through websites. So a website like Wordle, who just you know a matter of minutes ago, I was saying I wish it was a native app because then they could get, send you a nice reminder once a day to like say there's a new word to play. On the iPhone today, Wordle could not do that if they wanted to through the web. But soon, it seems like Apple is going to actually natively support that, which is very nice. And I'm sure some websites will do it. Like, you don't even have to be like an, an, a quote-unquote app. Like, a news website might just want to send push notifications that way around. So they can just do it through the web now. Whereas before, Apple was like, no, we're only letting you do this if you sign up for a developer account, make an AV app, release it on the App Store. 
but now they're giving those that pretty big feature of a native application to web apps too. Uh, this isn't like officially announced by Apple yet. It's just kind of in the experimental options. So, and stuff in the experimental area of Safari kind of sits around a while where they like beta test it and stuff. So maybe it won't actually ship until you know maybe even like iOS 16. But the fact that it's in 15.4 in the experimental section means that it's going to ship eventually. So they're showing intent that they're going to support stuff, which is nice. Very nice. Happy Hour this week is also brought to you by Upstart. If you're carrying multiple credit card balances and only paying off the minimums such that you're barely making a dent in your actual debt, you know, that can be very discouraging. Upstart can help you pay off your existing debt quickly so you can feel like you're finally getting ahead. Upstart is the fast and easy way to pay off your debt with a personal loan done all online, whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses. Over a million people have used Upstart already to get one fixed monthly payment with a clear and transparent payoff date. Rather than looking at just your credit score, Upstart can consider other factors like your income, employment, and credit history to find you a smarter rate for your loan. You can check your rate without impacting your credit score for loans worth between one to $50,000, and it only takes minutes to do. You can receive funds in as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash happy hour. That's upstart, U-P-S-T-A-R-T dot com slash happy hour. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know that we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. One more time, go to upstart.com slash happy hour. Thanks to Upstart for sponsoring the show. Uh, we talked last week about iOS 15.4 beta that we were just discussing. And um, since since it came out, you know, the day before we, we discussed it, there's been some some more discoveries and some confirmation of things. So uh, what's the first thing there, Mayo? Yeah, because we were talking about it like the same day it was breaking last week on last week's show so a couple of things were like question marks that we needed to uh get clarification on and one of the things we talked about last week was that uh everyone was having fun with the face id unlock with mask feature but my iphone 11 pro didn't have it uh, and now we know for sure that it's limited to iphone 12 and iphone 13 models which has caused some consternation i'd say from you know on reddit and stuff i've seen people complain like why is apple intentionally you know obsoleting older phones why are they making you upgrade just to use unlock face id with a mask and naively it does seem kind of weird because the face id hardware hasn't changed for many years it like the actual true depth camera system the flood illuminator the uh, the infrared scanner they're all basically the same components that ship with the iphone 10 even uh, what has changed however over the time is the neural engine, which is part of the like system on a chip, A13, A14, A15 CPU. And that obviously drives like the algorithms that the face ID system uses to do the face detection. And that's why in like I believe the iPhone 12, Apple made a bit of a deal about like face IDs faster compared to older models because they just had a more powerful neural engine in there, which could compute a lot quicker. And Apple hasn't said for sure that this is the reason, but that is my you know guess at what is going on here because yeah because the iphone 11 that i have is a13 and that has an eight core neural engine the iphone 12 and iphone 13 have a 16 core neural engine so they're twice they're almost you know effectively twice as fast with some asterisks attached and i think people have said during the last week of testing that although the face id unlock mask is very good more reliable than apple watch based unlock it does seem to be a tad like slower than the traditional Face ID system. So that may contribute to that. And maybe the iPhone 11, I'm sure it could do the processing needed to support this stuff. But maybe it takes like a second, which is in Apple's QA stance, unacceptable for the user experience. So they're just not going to support it at all. That's my guess of what's going on here. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I, I wasn't planning on doing the betas, but... Um, and I, I forget why I even tried it. It was not for universal control because I don't have an iPad or, or a second Mac, but um, I did install the public beta versions of, of this stuff. And um, and so, you know, naturally I set up to have Face ID work with a mask, you know, um, it, it scans your glasses then as well, which is, you know, if you do like a regular Face ID, it doesn't do that. But for this, it does, um, I guess, because it's so much more specific to, you know, above your, your mask. Um, but uh, it's, and I haven't like, had like an issue. I don't, think and i have you know been out in public with a mask on um but w- what i can say is that there are a lot of ways 
that my phone is being unlocked by face ID now. So, um, it, and it's just like, if I don't have my watch on and I have a mask on, then it's obviously going to be this new method. Um, but if I have my Apple watch on, it, then this method isn't always used. I'm not, also like hear the watch click or tap. And then, and that's the way that it unlocks. Um, and, and so there's, there's a lot of ways you can do this now and they don't always, like, it, it kind of, I guess, I guess it depends on like different factors of what wins out, you know? Yeah. And you can choose obviously any combination, right? So you, it may be if the face ID unlock with mask is so reliable, you just turn off the Apple watch mode and then you don't have to worry about it waiting for the Apple watch communication. Cause generally I found the Apple watch, uh, version, the, the Apple watch approach to be pretty good, but there are times when it's like, waiting waiting okay it did it and then very occasionally you get waiting waiting you know wireless connection is too weak to unlock this iphone even though it's like a foot from your arm because it's on your wrist right maybe but... maybe in the same hand <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> uh whereas i think the unlock with mask stuff will just it will be like standard face id just less secure right so if you are in that situation you may be able to turn off apple watch unlock uh, altogether once this comes out for real but if you want to support all different combinations of both, then Apple lets you do that. And it seems pretty good. So it's nice to see. And then also in 15.4, there are some updates to the kind of, I don't want to, well, I want to say passwords app, but it's not application. So the passwords setting screen in the in iOS and on the Mac, that's where Apple has iCloud Keychain support, where you can have passwords that sync across your devices. And with iOS 15 and macOS 12, they added two-factor codes to that system. And for the longest time, I've really enjoyed iCloud Keychain. It works pretty effortlessly. It just syncs across your devices. And they keep adding new little bits and bobs to it. Like I said, they added two-factor recently. And in 15.4, they now let you add notes to each password entry. So if you need, you know, save a little bit of extra information or some con- extra context, quite often if you have like a, a banking app, it will save the username and password, but then also the bank has like a security code that you also have to separately remember, like a third thing you have to type in. Mm-hmm. And if you just want a repository to store that stuff, well, now before you'd have to like put it somewhere else and it maybe wouldn't be as secure. Now it's securely encrypted as part of the like, keychain backup. You can just add it to a keychain item uh, through the password screen, which is nice. And have you seen these before? Like the the password safety suggestions things where it's like, you have a password that is insecure because it's been found in a data leak or your password is not very high entropy because it only uses like words and numbers or whatever. And like, obviously over time, your iCloud keychain accumulates so many logins for so many different services, including hundreds that you basically don't use anymore. You don't really care about, uh, but you just end up getting these constant like warnings. And before 15, before there was no way to say, you know what? iCloud keychain, I get that you're trying to get me to fix this, but you know it doesn't actually matter, so just go away. But now, in 15.4, you can dismiss the safety alerts per password, which I, obviously you should be a good student and change all your passwords in every place, but I have some accounts with some very, you know, some forums or some websites where, yeah, I am using a real password that probably isn't as secure as it should be in the modern standards, because I did it like 10 years ago when I was you know, more stupid, but I, I'm not, I can't be bothered. Maybe the website doesn't even exist anymore, but I don't want to delete the password, but I don't want to like, you know what I mean? Like maybe it does exist, but and I want to go maybe back there once in the blue moon, but it doesn't matter. That, yeah, the, like, threat, the threat level isn't so high that the threat level is so low that it's not worth trying to change the password on, on the system. So I can just tell Safari now. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. But I'm, I'm good. Yeah. I, I just looked at the, 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 the settings app and the password section. And I had 23 recommendations there. Yeah. <laughs> I might have more than you because so many of your passwords turn up in data leaks. It's actually unreal. Like mm-hmm. like that Have I Been Pawned website. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, I change my passwords for that on the, the stuff that's actually important fairly regularly, but it only takes a couple of years and suddenly this company has a big data leak and then like an encrypted hash or, or a hashed version of your password has been sold to somebody on the dark web. So yeah. you get one of those little alerts inside of Safari. So they keep adding stuff to that screen, which is great. And I, I I say I've been enjoying it wholeheartedly up until very recently, only because in the last month or so, my keychain items aren't syncing between my iPhone and my Mac, which is causing a real problem because now I'm I'm like 
diverging the tree so I have a different set of passwords on my phone and a different set of passwords on my Mac. And I don't want to go out and just blame, like, you know, Apple's bad at cloud services because I don't run my Mac on a beta, I run my phone on a beta. So, you know, as soon as you start running beta stuff all the time, I feel like your chance to blame Apple for those kind of things kind of reduces and it has to be something that I've seen other people complain about. And for me, it just seems isolated. So I'm taking it on the chin. I'm trying to futz away to make everything start sinking again. But so far, that hasn't happened, uh, which is kind of frustrating. But ignoring those issues, I got Keychain. It's free with iCloud. It's a great feature. It seamlessly works with your devices. They keep adding these nice little touches to the password screen in settings. But the biggest complaint I have with it is that it's so buried because there's not an app icon on the home screen for it on the iPhone. You have to go settings, scroll all the way down to passwords. Then it does face ID. Then you have to scroll all the way down to find your password. Like It'd be so much better. Even if they didn't change anything else about the interface, they just took the preference pane and just made it a dedicated app icon on the home screen. Call it passwords and and you're done. On the Mac, this situation was even more dire until macOS 12 because the only way to see your passwords in like a visual UI was to open the Keychain Access app, which is quite old and crusty and not a very nice user experience. As of macOS 12, which is Monterey, right? I'm getting the name right. If you go to set, they have they still haven't made a dedicated icon for it, like a dedicated passwords app. But if you go settings, sorry, if you go Apple menu system preferences, because it's not called the settings on the Mac, which is dumb. But anyway, Mac system yeah. preferences, they now have a passwords preference pane right there at the top level. So you have basically the iOS experience in a Mac UI. So on the Mac, just a couple of months back with Monterey, they've realized that it needs to be more visible, and they've elevated it to like a top level preference pane in system preferences. But I think they should go even further. They just need a dedicated passwords app, keychain app. Yeah. Uh, on, on the Mac, too, I, I do command space and then type in password and then that, you know, return. And that takes you right to that section. So, um, which, is, which is pretty, pretty good. Um, I, and, and I bet that the people that work on this stuff want it, but it's not their decision. <laughs> it's like a higher, higher in the, in the decision making tree of who, of, of what becomes an app like this. But mm-hmm. um, it, you, you've never used one password, have you? I mean, I've tested it like very briefly once. But okay, no, so I, I, yeah, I, I was a user for years, um, and it was really just the curiosity of of um, iCloud Keychain, and uh, you know, being having having everything there. If it could be close, you know, integrated closer, then that's a benefit. Uh, even though, like in the last few years, Apple has allowed password management apps to integrate as well as iCloud Keychain does, um, and in those situations when it's just autofill. Then it's and, and it detects like this is the website for this, you know, this is the app for this. Then then that's really good. But it's when you want to just go reference one that you're typing in manually somewhere that that you know needing an app is is better. But with one password, I would do you know obviously you know username and, and password for logins. Um, I, I would save my my debit debit and credit cards there. You know all the information so like as if I didn't have a card at all. Um, I would save my driver's license there. Uh, family, social security numbers, and it's all this different stuff. And then, and then sometimes just like reference information in like a note, and like in, in one password, it was a note. And you can you can do all of that without one password using iCloud Keychain or some solution from Apple. Like you can lock a note in the Notes app or lock a bunch of notes. I, don't, I still don't think you can do a locked folder, which would be very useful. But um, or locked you know, photos. Yeah, yeah. Like they uh, have that hidden album, but. It's only hidden by the fact that it's on a different screen. Like I feel it's such an obvious thing that so many people ask for that all Android phones do it. They just let you have the hidden folder in photos that you can also lock with like the second layer of face ID biometrics. And even yeah. if I'm on the back end, right, it's not any extra encrypted on the server or anything. It's just like if you give someone your phone and you've hidden some photos for whatever reason, you don't want to be able to just click on the album. <laughs> but they don't yeah. they Apple refuses to do it. Yeah. But uh so so you know even in the password section for iCloud Keychain, you know, whether it's system preferences or settings or even the Safari preferences, um, you get your username and logins there and, and the website or app associated with that. Um, in Safari uh, preferences, you can also see um, most of your credit card information. I don't, th- I don't think you can save your three-digit code there, but you see most of it. So if you remember three numbers and you're good to go. Um, and then obviously in the Notes app, you can have locked notes. And what... You know, you're asking for a password app that's basically just take the existing user interface, you know, make an icon, make it go make, go to there, or just have it. I mean, I wish they'd give it even a nicer interface because yeah, it is a sure. bit it is a bit like settingsy, but you know what I mean, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and, and, and as a former one password user, I think it would be like maybe even just more justification for having an app than, than, than they may have now is like, you know, it, it's, it's an app, but it combines your payment information, your passwords and your secured notes all in one place. And they still exist in the other places because it's how, it's how it's always worked. But in that app, which is, it's like the, it could be like the only Apple app built in or, you know, that requires face ID to unlock. Mm-hmm. And, and that'd be wonderful. Yeah. And they could call it keychain, even if it has other stuff other than passwords, or they could call it like lockbox, or they could come up with a cool name for it if they don't want to call it just passwords. But yeah, just like a nice storage area, vault, whatever they want to do to have passwords and the other stuff you just want to keep safe with a, some form of encryption. That's also then iCloud synced around. Finally this week, the show is also sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Check them out at betterhelp.com slash hour. The best way to think about therapy is with an analogy. Like, we get our cars tuned up to prevent issues down the road, we get annual checkups, and we go to the gym to maintain physical wellness, and we do chores to avoid our house becoming a big mess. Going to therapy is like all of this, but for your mind. It's routine maintenance for your mental and emotional wellness. And BetterHelp lets you do all of that virtually from the comfort of your own home online, connecting a safe and crucially private environment. This is not run-of-the-mill self-help. This is professional counselling that is secure and done virtually. You can access counsellors specialised in all sorts of areas like stress, anger, relationships, depression, sleep, and much more. BetterHelp is customised online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Why invest in everything else in your life and not your mind? This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and 95Mac Happy Hour listeners can get 10% off their first month by going to betterhelp.com slash Hour. That's BetterHelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com forward slash Mac Happy Hour. Thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring the show. There's this thing about AirTags that I've, I've realized that it's happened enough that it's it's a complaint that I have. Uh, it's like an annoyance in the behavior of how it works. And that is... Um, it, well, I'll just give you. Is he stalking you? <laughs> no, no, no. I will just give you an example of of, uh, of of what happens and when I'm annoyed by this. But let's say um, I park in the parking lot. My backpack's in the car. I don't need it, so I go in. My car's locked. I go into the store. I'm out of range for it to be near my iPhone, and so you know, naturally, I get an alert that my backpack has has you know I'm no longer with it, which is fine. Um, but then I go, you know, do my shopping go back to the car and I probably don't even look at my phone when I'm in the store is until I get back in the car where I'm like, before I, before I leave, like, you know, what's on my phone. And, um, and there's always your backpack is no longer with you and it's, and I'm back in the car and it is with me again. And, and the air tag and the iPhone know how to say that I've separated, but they don't know how to say that I've come back, you know? And, right. and I, don't, I don't mean like an alert to say like you're back with your backpack. Like that would actually be really annoying, but you know, just make it, the the banner alert go away that's sitting on the lock screen, for instance. Yep, make it go away. Yep, because because we've be been really smart actually. Because we've been reunited, and maybe you wouldn't do it with everything. Like you know, if you're away from your keys and you haven't marked, you know, you're not at home in a safe in a location that you've marked as safe. You know, um, maybe you don't want that to be dismissed because you always want to have your keys with you. But like, you're not going to leave your keys in the car when you're going inside, or you probably shouldn't. Um, but it's, it's that, it's my backpack that really bothers me because it's every time I park and go somewhere, I don't bring in my bag. And, um, it's just happened enough that I'm like, yeah, this should work differently. I shouldn't be next to my bag. And then, you know, look at my phone and it's like, you're all here with your bag. I know I was, but now I'm not, or, you know, yeah, I I I only have one air tag for my keys and obviously keys stay with me or at home, you know, in the ideal circumstance all the time, unless you've lost them. Right. So in that case, uh, I don't get hit with the, oh, I've just walked inside and then I'm getting an alert that I'm away from my keys because they're in my pocket or whatever all the time. Yeah. But if I had an uh, air tag in my backpack, I wouldn't be able to stand what you just <laughs> described. I would turn off the separation alerts for the backpack. Because you, you get numb to it. It's, it's, you know, you you see the alert and you just think, oh, well, it's alerting because I was out of range from it, you know. I, I, I really want the alert to not be, you know... Uh, in my head, I don't think it means anything anymore. I really want the alert to be, you know, only if it's necessary. <laughs> I have gotten a separation alert 
for my MacBook Pro because although they're not AirTags, they still support the Fireman network and that includes separation alerts as of macOS Monterey. Unfortunately, it was while it was in the same car as me. So we were driving yeah. down the highway, or I would call it motorway, sure. and my my watch buzzed. I looked down and it said, your MacBook Pro was last seen at this location, which is where I was like five minutes ago. Oh, no. And I was like, oh, God, I've, lo- I've, I've, I've just lost my ridiculously expensive brand new laptop. But then I... <laughs> put my hand to the floor and obviously in in the in the floor floor well i don't know what you call that bit of the car but where you put your feet i had my laptop bag and i the the notification was so convincing that i like fully opened the bag just to check the laptop was inside and then i was like okay i didn't actually leave it behind but yeah so in that case it didn't work for me yeah not perfect this happened last night Uh, i was driving and my airpods pro I had an alert, um, you know, I use CarPlay. And so if you have uh, an iPhone alert, you, it won't come through. But I think, I think the, um, the Find My Ones will come through. So uh, you get the alert that um, my AirPods Pro are no longer with me. And, and, they're, and they're in my pocket. And I have to, you know, put in there and like open the case and fill both of them. Like, okay, so it's just, it's wrong. Um, but that's, that's definitely a bug that's in the wild, you know. But yeah, you know, re, re, uh, separation alert's cool. Coming back to it because it really wasn't a separation after all. Uh, need needs some work on that. Just a couple of other little things. So one interesting uh, App Store feature that Apple rolled out in the last few days is called unlisted app distribution. So the point of this is you can now publish an app to the App Store that can only be installed via a direct link. So in all other senses, the app isn't available in the App Store because you can't search for it. It's not going to appear in top charts. It's only available if you know the URL that it exists at. And YouTube does this, right, for videos. You can upload a video to YouTube, which is unlisted, and it just gets this big, long URL that you couldn't guess. But if you want to share it around with, you know, you or a small group of people, you just don't need to worry about an account system and, you know, making a a thing. You just share the link and you just trust the obscurity of the URL means that nobody's going to look at this that doesn't really matter. And Apple's brought that same concept to the app store so now if you're a developer and you have an app that only has appeal to a small set of people that doesn't make any sense to be like found in app store search now you can just submit an app with unlisted distribution now i'm going to put you on the spot here zach can you think of a category of app that would benefit or would want to not be shown in like top charts and stuff uh television (laughs) i don't know television (laughs) yeah like the um the apps that are for uh reviewing material okay like screener apps yeah 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 no, that is a perfectly good use case because let's say you're voting on the oscars right oscar yeah. voting is available to what let's say a thousand people and they have apps in the app store that you can go and find today including apple's apple tv plus screener app yeah like you can just search if you search apple tv plus in the app store obviously the tv app will be at the top you don't have to scroll down too many results to find the screener app that only you know a thousand people in the world are meant to be able to access and so now with this system apple could make the tv plus screener app unlisted no random person's going to find it they just distribute the url to people that need it and obviously because it's not like a foolproof system in terms of you know authentication the apps themselves will still have login screens right and that kind of stuff that acts as the safeguard to prevent people that shouldn't be using it actually using it because let's say the url just got copied and pasted somewhere it shouldn't be but just the nice user experience of it not being in the store in the first place uh, is now supported. And this is something that didn't really exist. Like, there was no good solution for this before. Some some businesses that needed this, like a let's say you have a business that has temporary staff and you basically need like an internal app just for those contractors for the year. Mm-hmm. You don't want to like put an app on the store under your business name and stuff that real customers might find. So what they tend to do, and they don't want the uh, overhead of making like a full MDM deployment and doing enterprise app distribution, which is a whole load of pain and constant maintenance. You just want something lightweight. Well, before your best option would basically make like a separate developer account and upload the app under like not really your brand name and stuff and just hope nobody found it that didn't need it. But now you just upload it unlisted and there you go. And Apple makes it clear this is not a system for like beta apps or, you know, early testing because the way they've enforced this, once you mark an app as unlisted, it cannot be changed again. So basically, 
you're making an app it's intended to only be seen by a select group of people it's not like i've got this new app and i don't want to use test slides from the ship on the app store and then two weeks later i'll make it public for everyone it's intentionally you pick your app's visibility and then the visibility cannot be changed again but for the people that need it this is a really nice feature that they've incorporated yeah when, when you asked me when you said that you were putting on a spot i thought that you had something in mind <laughs> and, and i was needed to guess what you were going to say but oh you know, i just meant like general like yeah because <laughs> well, the reason i said that is because when this first went up it took me a few minutes to like clock oh this is actually useful in these cases you know because just to the headline it's like apple makes it it gives you an option to make your app less discoverable yeah well uh in, in, since you've been speaking um something i was thinking about but just couldn't quite get there and that's why i said television was um any like gig economy job you know uh food delivery or, um, you know, taxing around, you know, so say like Uber or DoorDash, they all have apps for people who, who work for them. So if you search for Mm -hmm. Uber, you've got Uber as the passenger and you have Uber as the driver and they're both visible in the app store. And maybe that's, you know, maybe they'll, they'll still keep it that way because they want it to be so easy for, um, you know, someone to become a driver and work for them. But yeah, that's um, almost marketing for working for them, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I've definitely seen, like, if you look at uh, just, just an app developer, you know, for a company and you go to all of their apps, they'll have a bunch of weird ones, too, that, you know, it's just a login page that you can't get through, you know. So, yeah, this, this is the and overall, the reaction for this was like, this should have been there from day one, you know, and, and this is which usually means, you know, it's kind of like negative feedback, but it, but usually it means like this is well, this, this, this was necessary. Yeah. 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 And I'm sure they'd have done this forever, but. Anti-competitive pressure probably helps them prioritize making the app store more feature-rich and competitive. With you know, because maybe like in some court case somewhere, someone would been like, "Well, Apple doesn't care about the app store because they don't let you do these things," and so now they're actually patching some of these holes, seemingly more aggressively than they were. Let's put it that way. Yeah, my my Twitter joke was I have the secret URL for Fortnite, <laughs> but, but but that would require them to actually approve Fortnite. But it would be funny if there was like a compromise with Fortnite where it was like you can be on the app store but you have to be unlisted. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, and obviously that's a joke, but that is that is another element of this, is that it's not like you can upload whatever you want unlisted. All of these apps still go through app review. It's just right. the last step is they don't become public. They're just unlisted. Mm-hmm. And then finally, just a little TV Plus shout-out. The After Party came out last week with the uh, first three episodes. Obviously, now it's going weekly. I just think it's fun. I don't know if you've watched it, Zach, but it's like a murder mystery comedy, kind of like Only, only Murders in the Building and Knives Out, and it's just... One episode a week, you get like a different perspective of the same events from a different person each time, and each time the perspective is done, like each person has a different like visual theme. So there's like a mer- there's like a romance, there's like a musical, there's like a thriller, there's like a noir setting. So there's a lot of variety. And when they like tease the show, it looked fun and everything, but I was worried that the Rashomon style of just you know showing the same thing over and over again from a different person's point of view get pretty boring or repetitive if it's done badly but i think at least based on the first couple of episodes i've seen it's actually done really well it's and you don't feel like you're watching the same thing over and over again just you know arduously repeated they they add new information each time you see different things that you never saw in the previous retellings of the story so i think it's cool and i believe there is like a firm that when you get to the final episode episode eight there is like a firm here's the killer and you've actually been given hints and clues that correspond to that and you hopefully you haven't figured it out by then so you get a nice surprise and it's not one of those things where it's like there isn't actually a killer or you know it's this person you never could have guessed in a million years so the murder mystery element is definitely in the background compared to it just being a fun comedy uh, but there if you do care about that line of inquiry there is actually a firm resolution to that as well i believe so that'd be cool when that finally finishes so i'm i'm tuning to that every week i think it's nice yeah, I haven't seen it yet, and I am skeptical of the format. I think that that um, format ruined the last series of um, Arrested Development, <laughs> and they they released a version of it that was like just chronological instead of perspective shifts. But um, eventually, I'll give this a shot because it, like, you say it's fun. I'll, I'll trust you on that. Yeah, and they're only like forty minute episodes, or whatever. They're short and stuff, and you, you can put them in the background if you, you don't have to. You don't have to pay too close attention. There's just some fun jokes and you know a bit of a story to go along with it. So I think it's good, and it's, it seems to be getting. Decent reception from other people as well, so that I might only, be a nice little hit for them. I only just watched um, Only Murders in the Building last Friday, and I was like, all, mm-hmm. in, all one day. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed that. Cool. Yep. Cool. Well, that is the show for the week. If you enjoyed the show, you can uh, 
subscribe or follow us if you haven't already. We really appreciate that. Um, you can subscribe to the ad-free version in Apple Podcasts for $4.99 per month. Uh, that's, I think, the, the, the best way to support us directly. Um, also, thanks to all of our sponsors. Your support of our sponsors helps support us, and that keeps the show going. And you can follow me on Twitter at ApolloZach. That's A-P-O-L-L-O-Z-A-C. Uh, and Benjamin, you're on Twitter at... Mayo. Was there a time where we were the same like follower account? Or like maybe I had more or you might have had more at one point. Yeah. A long time ago. Yeah. You, in, a, you got, in a galaxy far, far away. You got put on some lists though, because when <laughs> when I was planning the the tell of the iPad hunt, you know, it's like it's helpful to have fourteen point six thousand followers. And then you were like, or twenty six thousand followers like, there's no way that you have ten thousand more followers than i do and you do and i don't I, and i just remember like being like in the ten thousand range and we were pretty close <laughs> and then you just got ahead and got ahead so i don't know i'm funnier on twitter than mayo is so you know fix that <laughs> i mean you haven't been on a bat on a uh what was it business insider list as <laughs> no i haven't no i haven't Oh, man. And, and finally, if you have any feedback for the show, you can email us directly at happyhour at 95 com. And with that, we'll be back next week. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs>